Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. Well, come on, Generations Church. How you feel today? You feeling good? Let's do this. Give me your best praise right now. Come on, put your hands together. Give Jesus some praise. You can crank this up. There we go. Looking good today. Man, what an honor it is to be here and all the things that are happening across your campus. This is the third service on this Sunday. Pastor Jeremy and Corey told us before we walked in that you all are their favorite of the whole day. So come on, how's that make you feel? And so, uh, and the, man, the way that the worship is going and the way that you responded, it does, you just feel the presence of God in this room. And I love what the Lord is up to here. I've got to FaceTime in a few different times throughout this kind of renovation project. It's more like an expansion project. If you're, if you're new here, like they're, they're about to own the whole thing. Come on, somebody. And, um, and I'm just thinking about how much progress is being made and you've got an upstairs and a downstairs and and you feel the dust in the air, that's a, good, that's a good feeling, isn't it? Come on, a little emphysema in the lungs, that's good stuff right there. That's just, that's just expansion in Jesus' name. And uh, you said this uh, in all three of the services, over 30 G groups are happening. I know my kids are in G Kids today, and, and it's always fun to visit another church and let your kids go into to those kids' environments because you get honest feedback from kids, come on, and we get to steal all the great ideas. So we're excited just to steal a bunch of G Kids ideas today and and then you think about uh, just the generation's youth that's happening. And I had this thought, if you're visiting here today, it's your first, second, or third time, which I want to make sure I get my Chick-fil-A card, all right? You promised, Corey, that if your first time we get the card. But if you're visiting today, I don't know what else you could want in a church. I mean, this worship, this place, these leaders, uh, this family, this is a family. I felt that all day long. And I think I'm a little biased to go church for obvious reasons, but other than go church, which we pastor, I think this is the greatest church this side of heaven. Can you give me a good amen right there? Come on. So Kimberly, Kimberly leaned over during worship and said, I'm going to start coming to church here. So I don't know what you're going to do. But, but all of that happens, like Pastor Jeremy said, because of the favor of God, but also great leadership. And so to your pastors, you all have the finest pastors, the greatest pastors. I think it's a great place. Come on, can you do something for me? Will you stand to your feet and let's give honor to them? I haven't done that all day. Come on, if you physically able to stand. Come on, yeah. There we go. All right. That'll go straight to Pastor Jeremy's head if we ain't careful. And, uh, man, I just I love you guys so much. And, and I've said this a couple times a day, but it doesn't devalue the third time. Uh, I'm a better husband, better father, better man. I'm a better Christian because of you, Jeremy. Uh, you hold me really accountable. Uh, we're going to share some stuff tonight, a couple to couple. Who's coming to that, by the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, can people still come even if they didn't sign up? Yeah, come if you didn't make plans. You ought to come. Uh, it, this is the safest place in the, what's that? Oh, there, everybody, get more food, order more food. This is the safest place in the state of Georgia. So if you don't want coronavirus, you'll be here tonight. The decision's yours. Is that good? It's up to you. So be with you. The Lord be with you. Uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, I do. I remember now. So tonight we're going to share some stuff, and I'm going to share uh, – a moment of transparency tonight, just about something that I've been wrestling with, that your pastor has helped me walk through, and that he's that kind of guy. And uh, you told me I could preach longer in the third service. You promised me all day, so don't even start my clock yet, all right? This is introduction, this ain't message. Let me just say one more thing. The, the man that you saw standing in front of you a moment ago, weeping over your families and over your situations, 
that is the same God that I know Monday through Sunday. He's not one person on this stage and another person off this stage. Every time I talk to him, he's letting me know about the love he has for this family, this church family, the needs of this house. And uh, Pastor Jeremy and Corey, they are the realest of real. And uh, listen, you, I'm going to be really careful here uh, because we're never in competition with any other church. There's a lot. You don't lack for churches in Canton, Georgia. All right. If you want a church that meets on the first and third Sunday of the month, they got that. And the second, fourth, they got that. But this is a special place. It's a special place. So my challenge to you is, all of you, first Sunday, 100th Sunday, go all in in Generations Church. You will never be disappointed because God is doing something big. All right, you ready for the word? Say amen. Come on if you're ready. Uh, we are a talk back kind of church. You're going to have to jump in with me. And uh, we're, I'm going to treat you like my own. So we're, we're in week number two of this series called Redeemed. Uh, did you enjoy last week? Didn't your pastor do a great job? Come on, he's such a, he's a gifted speaker. You're going to have to endure this message. You get to enjoy weeks one, three, and four. So hang in there today. Uh, if you got your Bible, go to the book of Ruth. It's in the Old Testament. Uh, if you don't know where it is, just go to page 222, and it should be there. It's there in my Bible. You can take out your smartphone, open up the YouVersion Bible app, but I'd love for you to pick out the story. And if you don't have Scripture with you, don't worry. This amazing LED screen, come on now. Every time a slide changes, I just feel the glory of the Lord. So <laughs> the Scripture is available there as well. Um, you can read these four chapters in about 15, 20 minutes, and uh, it's, it's packed from chapter 1 to chapter 4 with just power, powerful truths and opportunities for us to grow. It's a, uh, it's a fantastic work of theological art. You're going to learn more each week in this series about the book of Ruth. I really encourage you, if you haven't read it in its entirety, you need to do that. At some point, you need to do that because the Lord will speak to you, not just through this series and through these sermons, but even as you read it, God will speak to you. How many know that that's possible, right? Let me give you some thoughts. Uh, a lot of this will be on the screen, but I encourage you to write it down. Uh, I'm kind of a note-taker kind of guy, so I want you to write some stuff down as well. But when you read the book of Ruth, there's not a miracle in this book. There's not some supernatural intervention. There's not a theophany where the heavens open and angels descend from heaven. Uh, there's none of that. There, there is, though, when you read it, the hand of God at work in supernatural divine ways. And you'll read that from first chapter all the way through the fourth chapter. This book is called or titled the book of Ruth. But she's not even the main, main character. You've got Naomi the widow, you have Ruth the Moabite, and then you have, you have Boaz, who's the kinsman redeemer. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But they named this book the book of Ruth. When you read it, you'll see that her name is only mentioned 12 times in this book. And her name is mentioned only one other time in all of the Bible. It's Matthew chapter 1, I think it's verse 25, when it's the genealogy of Jesus. In 2,000 words... Uh, give or take on that, from Ruth chapter 1 to Ruth chapter 4, her, her speeches are the shortest of every other character in this book, yet they call it the book of Ruth. And that's interesting to me because if I was giving it a name, I probably would have called it the book of Naomi or even the book of Boaz. And here's another reason why I find it so interesting is because Ruth was a Moabite, meaning she was from the country of Moab. She wasn't even an Israelite. And this, this, here's this, listen in. This means that this book is the only book in the Hebrew Bible named after a non-Israelite. That's something, isn't it? So chapter 1, I'm not going to re-preach it. You can go listen to the podcast to get the full context of week number 1 and chapter 1. But chapter 1 is full of tragedy. It's full of loss. It's full of death. It's full of pain. It's, it's, it's full of tragedy. 
But it's also filled, as you start to read through chapter number one, it's filled with incredible loyalty from Ruth towards her mother-in-law, Naomi. So let me give you a little background real quick. The, this Israelite family, they're facing a severe, a severe famine. They saddle up their horses and their, their cattle and their kids, and they head off towards a distant country. Sounds familiar. Multiple stories in the Old Testament start that way. They're trying to find food to survive. Once they get to Moab, the, the father of this family, he comes down with some type of illness and he dies. The two sons, they marry Moabite women. A few years later, both of the sons die. And now the only people left in this family are the three women, Naomi and her two daughters-in-laws. She tells the girls, you're not responsible to care for me or to stay with me. You can go back, begin a new life, start over. One of the daughters-in-law, she takes off to go find her a new man. But it's Ruth who shows great loyalty towards her mother-in-law. And I'm going to show you these couple of verses because I think they're just really paramount to the entire book of Ruth. Watch this. Verse number 16, Ruth chapter 1. Na uh, Ruth says this to Naomi. Don't urge me to leave you. Don't urge me to turn back from you. Watch this. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. And so at the end of chapter 1, we see this incredible loyalty. Then we pick up in chapter 2. That's where we'll spend the next 25 minutes today. We, we see that this chapter is all about, it's all about hope. It's all about hope. Pastor Jeremy talked about this during that ministry moment a moment ago, is that many of us, we come in here today and we need some hope. So on the count of three, let's say that word hope together. One, two, three. Hope. Let's do it again. One, two, three. And that's what chapter 2 is about. It starts off with the conversation that Naomi and Ruth are having, and they're trying to figure out how they're going to get some food. Come on, ladies. Fellas aren't the only ones that love to eat good food. Come on now. I'm going to tell you a good food story in just a minute. So they're trying to figure out how they're going to get some food in their bellies. Luckily for them, it's the beginning of the barley harvest, and Ruth finds her way to a field where she's working to harvest some grain. While she's working there, uh, this handsome, tall, dark, handsome guy named Boaz shows up. He's the owner of the field, but not only is he the owner of the field, he's a relative of Naomi. And that's important because you'll see how God is weaving this story together. Look at verse number one of Ruth 2. It says this, there was a wealthy man, an influential man. His name was Boaz, and he was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. Boaz immediately is smitten by Ruth. A lot how I felt about my wife, Kimberly. Not reciprocated much from Kimberly to me. She thought I was much older because of the maturity in the Lord and all that. Um, but, I, but I made sure. So I, I pursued Kimberly in such a way. Today they would call it stalker. But back then that wasn't a term. It wasn't common. But, you know, when we were at Lee University together, there wasn't much in Cleveland, Tennessee. So everywhere that Kimberly went, I would be sure to show up. Oh, who thought you'd be at Steak and Shake? Because I was overwhelmed with Kimberly's beauty. I was taken back by her beauty, and I think Boaz finds himself in a similar situation. He shows Ruth incredible generosity, and he starts to make her all kinds of provisions and all kinds of promises, and I did the same thing. Here I am, a poor, broke college kid. I'm like, if you marry me, I'll show you the world, and I've taken Kimberly all around the globe. I mean, the Globes at Hobby Lobby. Come on now. And I've let, I've let her eat at some of the finest restaurants in the world. That French restaurant that you love, McDonald's. Come on now. Like, 
And, and Boaz is making these promises. He's making these provisions to her. Here's what the Bible says in verse number 8. Boaz said to Ruth, by the way, I love how you laugh. This is the third time you've heard it. So I know a lot of it's courtesy laugh, but I appreciate it. He's like, ha, that's really funny. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Boaz says to Ruth, he says, this term of endearment, he says, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. Why you want to work anywhere else, baby? He says, don't leave here. I want you to stay right here. Work with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. And then watch this. He says, I've told the men not to lay a hand on you. I bet he did. Remember that one guy that really, really wanted to be your boyfriend? And I told, you want me to say his name? You know who it is. He's from the area, isn't he? We shouldn't say his name, but you know who I'm talking about. You remember who I'm talking about? And I told him, I said, don't you lay a hand on her because she's mine. Come on, fellas. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all need to raise your hand. Just to, I'm trying to give you some brownie points. He says, don't lay a hand on her. And whenever you're thirsty, go and get a drink from the water that the, jar, uh, the water jar, jars that the men have filled. Now, here's what I know. Some of you are thinking, well, Boaz is just sweet-talking his woman. He's just laying it on thick because he wants her to know that he, it might be love at first sight, that he's overwhelmed by her beauty and, again, by her story and her testimony of loyalty. But he's not just sweet-talking Ruth. He, he doesn't just want her to be his baby Ruth. Come on now. I've been waiting to say that all day. No, what, what Boaz is actually doing is obeying a very explicit law that's written in the Torah. Go to Deuteronomy chapter number 24. Here's what the Bible says, and it's this, it's this powerful law of understanding about the, uh, about the responsibility that Boaz has to take care of this immigrant woman. Uh, verse 19 says it like this, when you're harvesting your crops and you forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back to get it, leave it for the foreigners, that's her, leave it for the orphans, and leave it for the widows. Then the Lord will bless you in everything that you do. And again, Boaz is overwhelmed by Ruth's story, and if you're single and searching, it's all right. Embrace the single, the singlehood, embrace that season, all right? But if you're waiting for someone to come along, ladies, find you a Boaz. Come on now. There's a Jensen Franklin that says, don't settle for a broke ass. Come on. <laughs> or a dumb ass. Or a rich ass. Or a poor. That's Jensen Franklin. I didn't say it. So if he said it, I'm allowed. Because Boaz, watch this, prays for his future wife. Here's what he says. I've been told about all the things that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and you left your mother and you left your homeland and you came to live with the people that you didn't even know before. And watch the prayer. He says, and may the Lord, may the Lord bless you. May he repay you for what you have done and may you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel. So I don't, I don't think this happened with Kimberly in that initial meeting that we had, but sometime later she got excited about the possibility of us getting married. She probably realized there ain't many more out there, so I'll just settle down. But, but Ruth is overwhelmed by her, her experience with this guy, the, the, the divine encounter in the field, and then how he was taken back by her, how he blessed her. So she returns home and begins to tell Naomi about her day. She begins to tell Naomi about this guy that she had just met. And watch what Naomi says in verse 20. Naomi says, may the Lord bless him. He's not stopped showing his kindness to the living nor to the dead. And then she added this. That man is our close relative. He is our kinsman, redeemer. 
I want to I break down this idea of kinsman and redeemer for just a minute because this is a, a cultural practice in ancient Israel. It would be the responsibility of the kinsman redeemer, the closest relative, to make sure that he takes care of the widow woman. So he would marry the widow woman. He would protect their family. He would tend their land and make sure that anything they needed, he would take care of them. And I think it's such a powerful reality of how Boaz had this incredible opportunity to take care of his wife, future wife, and her family. So when I read this, I find three lessons, three lessons from chapter two that I want to share with you. You give me a few minutes and I'll get you out of here. You can go to lunch. Number one is this. You taking notes? If you, if you are, say I am. Okay, number one is this. What you think is a setback is really a divine setup. Can you give me an amen? amen? What you think is a setback is really a divine setup. Pastor Jeremy in week number one said this last week that redemption stories turn bad to good. And isn't that so true? I'm going to encourage you for the next few minutes here. Let me just remind you that your Bible says in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good. It says, and we know this. That all things, not some things, not a few things, not just that thing or this thing, but everything that we, we face in life, God can turn it out and work it for our good. And the older I get in the Lord and the more life that I experience, anybody know what I'm talking about? You've been through some stuff. The more I learn that the God we serve is a strategic God. He's an intentional God. No, nothing catches God off guard. God is not without a plan. God is sovereign and he is just. And he's always, always got you in mind. I don't know if I believe in, in happenstance or accidents or things just randomly happening. Now, I'm not so uberly spiritual that I think like, oh, man, everything is hypersensitive by way of spirituality. But I really do believe in all of my heart that our ways are not like God's ways, and our thoughts are not like God, God's thoughts. And although our finite minds have a tough time comprehending the ways of an infinite God, God is working for you. And some of you, maybe you came to Generation Church today, and you have, you have a, a bad conception of God, a misconception of God, that he's out to get you. God is not out to get you. If God was out to get you, you'd be dead right now. God is not against you. God is for you, and whatever it is that you're faced with today, God is ordering your steps. That's Psalm 37. Psalm 37 says that the steps of a good man, they are what? Ordered by the Lord. So God can take every pain. God can take all of your mess-ups, and that's important because not everything that happens to you is from God. Sometimes you were just an idiot. Look at somebody say, he's talking about you now. He ain't talking about me. I can say stuff like that because I'm visiting and then I'm leaving and it's over. But sometimes, sometimes your storm is not a spiritual storm. Sometimes it's self-inflicted. Sometimes you're like, God, why, why are you doing this to me? And God's like, I'm not doing that to you. Well, devil, why are you doing that to me? You're the idiot. Like, I, I wasn't involved in that. It's all you. Like, it's just on you. And God and the devil are like, man, nothing to do with this. You're just a moron. Right? But even in our mistakes or even in our pains or even in our, our betrayals or even in our tragedies or even, even in what we say, well, this is a closed door. Somehow God can weave all of that together and work them out 
for your good. Can you give me a good amen right there? You sing this song that God is a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. And then you get to that bridge and it says in that even when you can't feel it or even when you can't see it, guess who's working? God. God is always on the clock. 24-7, 365. He don't need a bang energy drink. He don't rest. He don't nap. He don't sleep. He's always working for you. Can I get a hundred people that would help me preach? Yeah. And here's the thought. You look at the book of Ruth. If God can take a penniless, homeless widow woman and weave her story into the genealogy of Jesus Christ then whatever it is you're walking through today whatever hell you're going through today God will get glory from it come on and give me a good amen yeah and it feels like go church up in here get somebody on the organ come on now God can turn every tragedy into triumph God, God can turn every pain into purpose God, God can turn every mess into a message. Uh, here's what I've learned. You shared last week about your mom's passing nine years ago. My father died when I was 13. I know, I know that pain, and I know, I know in the deepest, darkest moments of walking through that tragedy, I didn't even feel like we'd make it to tomorrow, you know? But look. Look, look what God can do and is able to do if you don't turn from God, but you turn to God in the middle of whatever it is that you're walking through. Man, I never would have imagined when I was 13 and my dad died that I'd end up preaching the word of God and leading people and loving people to life. That what I thought was a setback was really a setup. And whatever your story is today, God wants to redeem that. And he doesn't want you to lose faith. Let me just tell you this quick story. So a couple of Fridays ago, I had a chance to play some late-night pickup basketball, which is not probably the wisest thing to do as I'm approaching 40 years of age because my mind is a whole lot faster than my body. Come on now. Like, you know, in my mind, I had like a triple-double. In reality, I just was the water boy, you know. <laughs> but after we played pickup basketball, which you know you're getting older when you play a game like that, and before you leave, all your wife says is, please don't get hurt. Like, don't have, she didn't say have fun or enjoy the guy time. She was like, JC, please, look at, look, at me in the, look at me in the eyes. Don't get hurt. So I, like, I biofreeze my ACL before I played. I ibuprofen before I played. I Epsom salt bath before and after I played. So after the game was over, I told the guys that were there, I said, hey, anybody want to go to Buffalo Wild Wings? Because I deserve some chicken wings right now. You know, I just, my Apple Watch told me I burnt like 800 calories. Let's get some Buffalo Wild Wings. And to my amazement, these guys responded with, well, you know, my wife, I, I, your wife? That's why I said your wife. I said, let me tell you about my wife. She's asleep. She'll never know. <laughs> I mean, get in the car. She'll never know. She's out. Because by the time we got done playing basketball, it's like midnight. So anyway, nobody wanted to go to Buffalo Wild Wings, and so I get in my car, and I'm driving home, and I get, I get to the road that I have to decide. If I turn left, I'm going home, but straight and narrow is the way the Bible says, and, and that way leads to the path of life, which in this case was Buffalo Wild Wings. And so I made the obvious smart decision, and I got me some chicken wings. Come on, somebody. And so I get there, the, the whole, you think? I got the best clap I got all day. Somebody's hungry. <laughs> 
that 11.30 crowd's hungry. And so, uh, so anyway, I go into the restaurant. The whole restaurant's closed except the bar. The first thought that crossed my mind, you pastor in this town, you can't sit at the bar and eat chicken wings because, you know, Instagram and TikTok and all that. Like, you can't. So I went up to the, the counter, and I said, can I order 10 chicken wings, half and half? And then I went to a booth away from the bar just in case I had a drunk Go Church member show up. I didn't want to be guilty by association. Because there's a few. <laughs> Roger, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> anyway, those aren't real people. <laughs> so, man, it's like, I don't know if you've ever been to Buffalo Wild Wings, but it takes a while. Like, it does. You would think you just, I mean, you, and this is what I wanted to say. Like, guys, you're literally dropping frozen chicken into a fryer. You're setting a timer. It's like eight minutes. We're out. I was there like a half an hour. And I was just getting really frustrated. Now, I love God. I serve God. I've committed my life to God. You know, but, man, sometimes, like, my, my flesh just kind of overrides the spirit. And uh, let me say it to you like this. Like, I'm a, I'm a little bit of holy, but a whole lot of hood. <laughs> so you, you can pray for me, but don't you play with me. Come on now. And Buffalo Wild Wings, they were playing with me. And I was getting real frustrated. So I went up a couple of times. I'm like, do you have my chicken, you know? And it's coming. You'll be out in a minute. And. So finally it came, and I just kind of like aggressively, you know, because I didn't want to say anything, but my actions were like, y'all took too long. So I get in my car, I drive home, and I feel like the story's getting later in time. But I get home, it's like 1 a.m., and as soon as I pull in my driveway, a black SUV parks right behind me. And I'm going to be honest with you, like my first thought was, this is not a political statement, this is just me being real. I thought, oh, man, I don't have my gun on me, because I'm, I'm about to cap somebody, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Hello? I'm thinking, well, I don't have my gun on me. Now, I got two guns. Pow, pow, but let's not get carried away. Some of y'all wondering, what does JC stand for? Jackie Chan. <laughs> so any, anyway, I love this crowd. <laughs> this is my family. It took me all day to find you, but we found each other. It don't work on the other two, but y'all special. So this SUV pulls in behind me, and uh, I took 20 seconds, and I just prayed. Really, genuinely, I prayed. Our Father who art in heaven. I wanted to make sure if I'm going to die, like I'm going to heaven. You know what I mean? I repented of every sin, even sins I thought about committing. Let's just get it out there. So I get out of my car, and uh, standing there is a man in our church, 74 years old. His name is Franklin. And he's hysterical, bawling. I said, Franklin, what's going on? Immediately I thought maybe there was something wrong with Sharon. Now they live on the other side of our, our neighborhood. And I said, is Sharon okay? Yeah, I said, What's going on? And he's like, Pastor, he says, Dee uh, Dee has run away. Well, I don't know who Dee Dee is. So I'm thinking, oh, my God, Dee Dee, not Dee Dee. He's like, you know, my Maltese poodle, Dee Dee. I said, no, Franklin, I'm so sorry. I could tell how torn he was. And you have to imagine, you know, all the, all the kids are grown. The grandkids are gone, live in different states. Dee Dee, the Maltese, is their family, their life. And he said, Sharon told me I can't come home until I find Dee Dee. So I got my duffel bag. I got my chicken wings. You know, and I'm wafting the chicken wings, and I didn't, wanna, I didn't want him to feel like, man, you were keeping me from this, but I've been waiting a long time. So I just set, I set them down, and I said, all right, Franklin, I said, we're going to pray, and this is what I prayed. In the name of Jesus, we're going to find Dee Dee. And as soon as we both said amen, I hand on this Bible, that little dog walked across the street. <laughs> like, and I'm telling you, it was like, and I said, I said, Franklin, I said, I've never seen Dee Dee before. You know, and I was like, I said, 
Franklin, is that, is that Dee Dee? And he, he started jumping up and down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's, it's like 1 a.m. He's like, hallelujah. You know, speaking in tongues. He's going crazy. Hallelujah. And so Kimberly told me I had to tell this part of the story because I haven't told it the other two. Because Dee Dee was down the road, like down the road, and she's just walking like she owned the joint, you know. And uh, so I, I had my stuff put down, and I just take off running because Franklin's 74. And I hadn't beat anybody in a race all night in basketball. <laughs> so I'm like, watch. And I run after that dog. And when we finally get the dog, and the thing, here's the funny thing. Even, it doesn't matter what kind of dog. I'm highly allergic to dogs, like major allergic to dogs. So I'm picking up, you know, the mark. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. And he comes around, and, man, he grabs that dog, and he's jumping up and down. He's, I can't tell you how many times I heard him say, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He said, Pastor JC, you did it. You performed a miracle. And I said, yes, my child. <laughs> That'll be $150. <laughs> Tell all your friends, you know. And I just had this thought, all of those silly little setbacks. I, I mean, if I would have got those chicken wings five minutes earlier, if I would have hit one red light instead of a green light. You get the point? And let me say this, no disrespect to animals, because God love them, but if God cares that much about Dee Dee, how much more does he care about you? Can you give me an amen right there? Every setback that you experience is really a divine setup, and God will get glory in it, and God will get glory through it if you just stay faithful. High five somebody near you, tell them say amen. All right, here we go, number two, I got to move. The second lesson, faith leads to obedience, and obedience leads to abundance. Faith leads to obedience, and obedience leads to abundance. I want you to see this in the book of Ruth. Every single time that Ruth was in a tight spot, every time that Ruth was in a hard season, in a hard situation, watch this, by faith she moved. She moved. Now, now, you need to know something, because if you read this, this story, you'll see it for yourself. The favor followed the faith. So every time she moved, then God's abundant favor was on her life. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's something we can learn from this. It's the Apostle Paul in the New Testament that said, look, we've got to figure out a way that we learn to walk by faith and not by sight. And I think for a lot of us, we get caught up. And, uh, and paralyzed by what we see. And we, I do this. Come on, I do this all the time. What, what I see or what I sense often will dictate the move that I make. But God never wants you to make a move based off what you see. God wants you to make a move based off what he says. Come on, give me an amen right there. And so a lot of times we're paralyzed and afraid to take a step because of what we see, what we see, what we see. What about what God says? I've asked permission the other two services. By now, it's just, it is what it is. So let me, let me just talk to you for a second. Some of you are in this room, and, and you've said, well, one day when my finances are where they need to be, then I'll start giving to the church, or I'll start giving to the building fund. I don't, I don't even go to church here, and we've given to the building fund, because we believe in what the kingdom of God is doing here in this church. And some of you say, well, I'm not going to give until my finances line up. That's what you say, but that's not what God says. God says in Luke 6, 38, that when you give, it shall be given. 
a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and poured into your lap. And if you've not been at Generations Church for a while, let me let you know what this church is about. They don't want your money. They don't want anything from you. They just know that if you walk by faith, God has something for you. You do the same thing with serving. Well, when my schedule frees up, then I'll start to serve. God doesn't say that. God says this in 1 Peter 4.10, that you're responsible to use whatever gift that you've been given to steward the grace of God well. And we do this all the time. One day when, then I'll start the business. One day when, then I'll pursue the relationship. And here's some advice. Don't be caught up in that when and then mindset. Some of you came in today, I don't know what my next step is. I want to tell you what your next step is. You ready? I paid Lee University $60,000 for this kind of revelation. You ready? What is my next step? Take a step. Because motion trumps emotion. The enemy wants you paralyzed. The enemy doesn't want you to move. The enemy wants you just to stay still. I told Kimberly this thought in preparation of this message, and I haven't shared this today either because I'm just preaching all the content you made me cut out earlier to make sure I stayed on time. I have never in my life seen a vulture eat a moving cow. Never. Vultures only eat dead things that can't move. So you think, well, I'm just going to stay stuck right here, and the enemy is bombarding you. His primary objective is to steal, kill, and destroy. You've got to start moving, and your faith will lead you to obedience, and your obedience will bring God's abundance. Isn't that good? So good. Last thought, and we're done. They're coming to the music. I tell my church this a lot. Do you know what it means when they come to the music for the pastor? Nothing. Doesn't mean a thing. Number three, Boaz was a man's man, but Jesus is the man. I, I want you to know as we close out this conversation, and then your pastor will finish out the series the next couple of weeks. That statement I just made is the entire book of Ruth and how it foreshadows that truth. It's the entire gospel, it's the entire Bible. Jesus Christ is your great redeemer. He's your great redeemer. Webster's Dictionary defines redeem as to buy back or to repurchase. Notice it's not to purchase, but to repurchase. And here's why. Because we were all created in the image of God, and then we sinned. We fell short of, of God's glory, Romans 3.23 says, and that sin, listen, separated you from God. So once you get separated from God, now you are owned by someone or something else. And the only way that you can be bought back into the family of God is through the redemptive blood of Christ Jesus that was shed on the cross at Calvary. Let me give you like a, a, an imagery here. It's like you're an old junk car and you're in a junkyard and there's rust all over the body and the upholstery is just torn apart and the engine doesn't run and there's weeds growing out the windows and the muffler and Jesus shows up to that junkyard and he's, he's in a pantic looking at every old junk car and he comes to you and he says, hey, to the owner of the junkyard, how much is this? And the owner says, well, it'll cost you everything and Jesus says, fine, I'll pay it. See, Jesus is the only one that can fully redeem us. No earthly relationship can fully redeem you. Uh, no success in business or finance can fully redeem you. No, 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 no athletic career for your sons or daughters can fully redeem you. No, 
No, no thing that the world can offer can fully redeem your marriage or your family. Only the blood of Jesus. And it's through the blood of Jesus that's offered to you that he can buy you back. It's 1 Peter chapter number 3, or chapter number 1 rather, verse 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with what? Perishable things. Everything this world offers is counterfeit. The world says, hey, here's joy. You won't find joy in a bottle. No, you find real joy in Jesus. Everything the world offers is perishable. And the Bible says it is not with those perishable things like silver or gold or money or fame or fortune or a 401k or whatever it is. None of that is what will redeem you from the empty life that has been passed down from ancestors. Some of you, the emptiness that you feel, it's just bondage, it's stronghold, it's a generational curse. But watch verse 19. But redeemed with the precious blood of Christ Jesus. And here's the good news and then I'm done. Only Jesus can fully redeem you, and he's already paid for you in full. The choice is yours. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and grace. Lord, I pray that something that was shared today through the serious moments, through the funny moments, let it speak to the hearts of your people. May they be reminded and encouraged today that it's not really a setback, it's just a setup. May they be encouraged and reminded that their faith will lead to obedience and their obedience will bring forth God's abundance. And may they never forget, listen to me church, and then your pastor will lead you in that next step. But may you never forget that Jesus is your ultimate redeemer. Jesus is your great redeemer and everything you've been looking for can be found in Jesus, in Christ, and Christ alone. So may we respond today, Lord, and may you get all the thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.